0: Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing The Hands We Remove" by Hawak, featuring my friend Tom Nguyen on guitar and vocal. I had a really nice time chatting with Tom, even though we've never met face to face.
1: Um, So I was born in uh, Santa Clara, which is like, really close to San Jose. Um, I was born in 1986. I grew up in the San Jose suburbs. So life was pretty, you know, uh, I was like a, a part of an immigrant family growing up in the suburbs. It was, uh, you know, it was interesting. Um, my parents were refugees from Vietnam. So my dad had escaped, you uh, Before the fall of Saigon, and my mom escaped after, and she was in prison. We kind of, my parents don't really talk about this kind of stuff to me, but um, you know, a lot of trauma there. So there's a lot of uh, trauma and uh, uh, struggle growing up in the suburbs. But I mean, I can't take it for granted, it was uh, was pretty cushy, uh, all things aside. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I felt like, uh, it's just, uh, I've lived a, a, like the typical, you know, Asian household kind of life. There's a lot of emphasis on education and studying. And, uh, I really turned to a lot of art and music for an outlet during that whole time.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you an only child?
1: I am uh, I have a sister she's 14 years younger than I am so oh, okay uh, I basically kind of I feel like I grew up like as an only child and then in 2000 um, my parents had uh, a kid my sister um, shout out to my sister Tiffany She's really cool uh, she lived uh, when we were doing like the Texas toast house she lived like a block away so uh, she I'm sure she saw a lot of Shenanigans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Shenanigans. Um, did you like? Were you very influential, like as far as um, music or or like uh, style or politics with your sister? Or you know, I I, I kind of I tried to be really hands off. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Like you know, I I'd, I'd put some stuff on that I would think she'd like. Um, but my sister is. um mm-hmm she's really independent and really grounded uh and kind of like uh she i feel like she influences me more um yeah like we'll share music and you know i've as i've gotten older i've started listening to other things um outside of the screamo world Uh, i started getting more into electronic music and and she'll show me like all these Young artist and kind of always blow my mind. It blows my mind. That's um, we went to a Taylor Swift concert together. That kind of blew my mind. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's just fun stuff like that. Very cool. So.
0: Very cool. Um, so you like? You said you you know you found a lot of like uh, like solace in in music and art growing up. Um, w- did your parents like? Were they big music listeners? Did they listen to a lot of music around the house or?
1: Uh, you know, like growing up, I, my parents would listen, oh, what the music that would, um, the music in the house often would be like traditional, you know, operatic style music or um, traditional folk, like Vietnamese songs mm-hmm. happening a lot. Um, my uncle was really into like American rock and roll. So there was like a lot of Elvis, there's a lot of Beatles going on, the Eagles. Um, We would do this, so like every weekend we would have um, a get-together, a family get-together, and we would go down to the uh, Vietnamese market, there's like a little Saigon in San Jose, and we would pick up these VHS tapes. Uh, There's two companies at the time, there's Paris by Night, and then there was Asia. And these these VHss and oftentimes they're like two vhs's it would just be like two hour long concerts and uh, they do everything from like you know traditional Vietnamese music to like updated contemporary styles like or um contemporary versions of Vietnamese songs um, to like American covers of whatever American song sometimes it's a pop song sometimes it's a rock and roll song and there'd be a a number of Vietnamese artists that would be on those videos. And then there'd be a comedy skit. Uh, but that was like the music that was kind of going on in, in the house. Um, my grandpa plays a lot of guitar and my dad plays some guitar. So, which is why I kind of got a guitar in my hands uh, at an early age.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, did did this did like does music that you were listening to did it resonate with you from an early age or or was it just like you know like wasn't until later that music really or did it always you know did it always have that impact on you
1: I think thinking thinking about it now um, it kind of just sat in the back of my mind mm-hmm. um, you know when I was younger it was kind of like oh man that's like that's the that's such old music, right? You know, like that's um that's so that's from a different time, and that's so different than what's going on. Um, yeah, I remember like like in middle school, I I got like a a tape player, not because I had any tapes, because it was because I wanted to listen to the radio. Oh, Okay, and uh, you know I jam out to like you know what was it like the the old station or whatever and you know, Vertical Horizon was so cool. And then I listened to some of the music that was going on in the house, and it, it there was a, a disconnect. Um, and I sort of have a different outlook on it now just because it's kind of crazy how, even though I didn't pay attention to it, I just thought it was sort of background noise for me growing up. How much I kind of held on to you know certain feelings or certain things certain things i've heard um in that music and that that i feel like i'm sure kind of gets filtered through what i do
0: yeah yeah it it became a part of you whether you were conscious of it at the time or not
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely for sure
0: yeah yeah i mean um it's it's wild like you know it's not the same feeling as nostalgia, you know necessarily, but it's it's just like this unconsciousness, you know, that you carry with you always like the things from your childhood that like you won't acknowledge them being influential at the time or shortly later and then you're like, "Oh, that was kind of pretty important," you know. Totally. Um totally.
1: Like uh yeah, they just they've just seeded themselves into my my subconscious, I suppose, yeah. and uh, kind of comes through. Like I'm trying to, like, I've been tr- trying to, you know, really examine what, you know, what makes me me, and sort of not take for granted that that past. Um, so, I've been been trying to re-listen with like open ears,
0: for sure. And I mean, that sounds really like honestly like really cool like just like this uh eclectic range of um like cover songs or like you know original songs or you know folk songs and then like just some comedy in there as well it sounds like you said it's you said it was like y'all's get together and stuff and this sounds like the perfect backdrop because it's just not all like the same thing for however absolutely. long you
1: know? absolutely you could like uh you know i would remember like i would just be you know it's just like me and my cousins playing around or whatever and uh and everyone's like you know eating food or maybe playing some cards maybe throwing down some money you know or whatever and um it would be it would be on whatever like the VHSs would be on whether it's Paris by Night or Asia, and then there was such a eclectic, you know, like grouping of songs that um, you know some uh, people would take turns being in, invested in in what was going on on screen, you know. Mm-hmm. So I just remember all like the I was always invested in like the American covers because um, my Vietnamese it just isn't that great uh and again it was kind of me thinking like oh this is super traditional old music this is you know here's some more this is more exciting pop music or this is more exciting rock and roll this 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 is cool uh, mm-hmm. and now that i listen back uh, just like a lot of a lot of vietnamese music is dramatic and i'm i'm kind of like I'm interested in that now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is what I'm, this is like very relevant to what I'm currently trying to like get to, you know, with. Yeah. And
1: uh, totally. And it's crazy to, to see how music really, um, it, uh, it goes beyond time, you know. Um, I was talking to um, my fellow business partner and he listens to a lot of traditional Irish music and um, this kind of just has been sticking with me he, he's like you know you, you have some original songs and that's cool and some of these new pop songs are kind of like flash in a pan right they may be catchy and they may be good in a way but they're in a, f- a flash in the, in the pan and you have some of these you know traditional songs or folk songs that have been you know they've been through the hands of, of so many different musicians and um, you only really remember like the best verse, or you remember the best hook, the best you know, musical hook. And so these songs, even though they're you know maybe dated or traditional or whatever, they've been really honed and they've just, you know all the, the forgettable stuff has been filtered. And so every artist is trying to take this piece and make it a better piece. and that's kind of, it's been interesting. That's an interesting thought.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Not how
1: I view music at all. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now you said you had access, or you had a guitar in your hands, like at a very early age. Um, <laughs> what, what were like? What kind of guitar did you first start like fooling around with? And what, what? Do you remember like what you? Um, what were your intentions were?
1: Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we used to like, um, I, it's like such a, like a vivid memory, um, of like seeing my dad's classical nylon string guitar in the closet. And I would just always want to like touch it and pick at it. And then, um, he taught me like, um, he taught me some like melody, you know, like, uh, I don't even remember, some sort of like, you know, child children's melody kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, it wasn't until really, like, when I was 14 or so um, that uh, I took a little bit more of an interest. And my dad, you know, wanted, you know, uh, he wanted to push me, of course, into education, so he got me, like, classical guitar lessons. And I remember, like, being really stoked because I wanted to learn how to play guitar. Um, And then, uh, I don't know, we, like, we sat down and we learned, like, very classical methods and techniques. And I remember being just not really that interested um, because I I didn't... That wasn't the stuff I really wanted to learn um, at the time. You know, like, I I, kind of wish I learned a little bit more of it now, but um, you know, I was like uh, I was super young, listening to the radio a lot. Um, I bought like my first my first two CDs were Corn Issues okay. and Link 182 and I Love the State. And I remember that shit blowing my mind. Um, and <laughs> that's what I wanted to. That's what I wanted to learn, I guess. Yeah. And of course, I have this classical guitar, so it it didn't translate. So I um, I saved some money, and then my dad helped me buy like a a Squire Strat. And I remember that was just like the gateway. Um, and I'd be like, I'd be up till two in the morning learning like a Blink cover or. or trying to figure out like i would i'd download like you know some live footage from whatever band like a deftones song or something and then i I'd, I'd watch you know if it was deftones it was steven so like I'd, I'd watch where his hands were and i would try to figure out what the heck he was doing and i would be like till two in the morning and yeah and then i went down the whole road of like um I guess like finding out bands like Thursday, something that's not so hugely mainstream and doing the same thing, like finding a, a live video from Thursday and figuring out what like a drop D tuning was. And that's, that's kind of like, it was a huge uh, exponential uh, growth of like my guitar abilities.
0: Yeah. Cause like, that's what I was going to say is like, you're talking about like you had corn <laughs> CD and and a blink CD, and you're like trying to. Fi- if you're trying to figure out the blink's song, you're probably fine. But then you go to the corn song, you're like this doesn't yeah. sound anything like that. Yeah, I don't... you don't even know like it's in. I don't even know what they tune in C maybe or something. And
1: yeah, yeah, that's something just
0: so beyond you at that level. You know to know that like these guitars are. Fundamentally different, you know, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like,
1: yeah, I was enamored by these sounds, you know, like
0: uh-huh.
1: these sounds are crazy. And, and, you know, like, you know, going from listening from everything from like, you know, like the Beatles and growing up with that and hearing stuff on the radio where it's like, like I mentioned, like Vertical Horizon and like Carlos Santana or like, you know, Mashbox 20. Like, that was really cool. But then there was Blink and there was corn and it was so ridiculously different and and um you know it's weird to describe those two bands as emotional but in a way they were like vastly like they were more emotional than what was on the radio mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. and deep not that blink or corn well you know what i mean like yeah yeah it was in contrast it was
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was I like
1: mean- a whole nother ball game.
0: Yeah, there's a visceral quality that's not present in, you know, a lot of, like, the stuff that you're probably usually hearing. And, uh, I don't know, a weird side note, like, last night I was reading an old comic book and I saw an ad in it for is like Korn's new album issues available at all circuit cities <laughs> <laughs> and i was like circuit city hooray right. <laughs> i remember that store but uh... yeah what a what a what a blast in the past <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah you you know you once you realize like oh there's you know I'm not as far, I'm not like I'm not struggling with this as hard as I maybe thought before because like it's actually just like there's these different tunings that I wasn't aware of before and then totally. you start like going down like that path and stuff um like uh did you like is this still when you were around like 14 15 years old
1: Yeah like this was definitely like well I'd say like getting into Blinken Corn was about middle school, uh, going into high school, and um, I was really blown away by like what sounds you could actually make out of this this thing. And then of course, you know, being an angsty teenager, kind of like having all these different emotions in in me, and I don't know how to process. And it's just like it's such a like you said visceral. Um, outlet for, for for what I was feeling.
0: To get good enough to be in a band, or were you just. I I was really interested in music, and I guess, like, at
1: that point, my goal was to, like, keep digging. So, like, I guess, like, you know, Blink 182 led me to, like, you know, some other, some of those other, like, pop punk bands at the time, Alkaline Trio, Mm -hmm. which led me to, like, sort of, like, you know, like, uh, uh, other pop punk bands and i started listening to like you know the living end this is like kind of it's kind of weird it's mixing a bunch of different sounds all in one and then like that led me to just punk and then uh listening having listening to corn it led me down that whole new metal sound which was so much heavier and aggressive um and some of the pop punk stuff and then i would i would keep i wanted to keep going to see like what else there was um and you know like there was like you know napster and soul seek and mm-hmm. all those the internet i guess it's just the internet really led me to want to find more and um Going down that rabbit hole um, of what metal is and what punk was, and then I started listening to Thursday. Thursday was such a, you know, like I don't put Thursday on a lot, but they were definitely like super influential, just because they were so melodic, and then there were parts that were like so heavy and uh, kind of blew me away. And so I guess I was just trying to find bands and my goal was to collect bands um whether they were like you know underground or kind of different i wanted to just listen to more and more music but but i wasn't listening to a, like a variety of music i was really listening to like you know whatever fell under you know hard rock i guess yeah um but um it wasn't it wasn't then uh like I, I listened to Thursday, thrice came across uh my radar and that like blew me away. Um I remember being like physically like being shooken um by these riffs. Uh and that made me want to collect more uh music. And then it wasn't really until like I met um I met Chris Chris Goff. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, that kind of came about just like super randomly. I had a mutual friend who was friend with Pat, which was the uh, original drummer from Matsuri. Um, and Pat knew Chris. And then um, my mutual friend knew that I played guitar. And he just kind of threw out like, hey, well, you, you guys should just like jam or something. And um, I think I came over to Pat's house and they just had a guitar and they were like, Hey, like, let's, let's play some stuff. And then that was my first, um, that was the first, uh, you know, uh, encounter with playing music with somebody else. And that, that led me down the path of like, man, I, I want to get better at my guitar or just playing music. And I want to, I want to get this feeling again.
0: Yeah, yeah. So were you? So when somebody's just like, so you showed up and it kind of at this point you had very <laughs> little like, you know. Yeah. It, you, so you showed up and then somebody's like, "Let's play." Yeah. Like, were you just like, yeah? Can you just do that?
1: Here's some blink riffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's some blink riffs, man. Okay. Here's some like Thursday things, and um, I guess at one point you know like, you know, it, it started out with me just being like, "Oh shit!" Like. I, here's what I know I guess what do you do
0: uh-huh.
1: um, and then it got to the point where we were just you know when, like, when you're just jamming and you sort of lose track of time you're just you know I ran I ran up to the limit of like the covers that I knew and so I just like here like let me put my hands where like this area sounded good and then we started jamming and and I just remember that sensation of like oh man I'm and going off the cuff, I'm doing, I'm just, you know, freestyling. Yeah. Uh, with my hands, and it sounds good. And I want this. I want this. That's when I said, I, I want this. And it was funny. Like I, I could tell. Like Pat and Chris were definitely vibing on it. Um, that was just fun. It was super fun.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I remember, you know, like playing guitar for a long time and i you know for me it was like uh-huh. always like i have to be i have to get good enough to play in a band but um yeah but like it when i'm <laughs> thinking about like these little moments that or were like um weird self-discoveries or whatever it was like yeah i mean i could play like Ramon's songs green day uh misfits or whatever <laughs> and that's like yeah, yeah. that's all well and good but when like but the first time when I figured out that you like put, you know, you put your hand over the strings like really lightly, and and just like slam down on the pick and like oh yeah, it's like those like weird oh, harmonics yeah. and stuff. That's when I was like, oh oh, like I knew you can make chords and you know you can do melodies, but then this weird stuff like that. That's when I was like oh, my God, like, what else can you do with this, you know? Yeah. Which is kind of yeah. the, the, what you were describing gave me that feeling that that's, like, what you were like, like, what else can I do? And um, Absolutely. Yeah,
1: that's... You know, you. Really... it's like you, you learn, like, words, right? Like, you're like, oh, this word means this thing. And so you go into conversation and you're just like, you know, uh, uh, I I just need to throw out this word because I learned this word, so... Uh, here it is you know um and then to like be able to unconsciously just talk and then you communicate with somebody i I guess that was the feeling you know like and that that yeah that's always what i want to get at it's funny like you mentioned like you know like i've i always want to get good i always want to get good at guitar and i always want to do better and um there's always, like, I feel like the moments that I love the best are, like, are really, like, I'm not playing that well, honestly. You know, like, um, I feel like I'm a really sloppy guitar player. And, uh, you know, like, uh, there was, like, Mark from, Mark uh, um, played in Moldar and um, Summer Vacation. Mm -hmm. He was just, like... He made like he mentioned something, where it was like, "Oh, you know, what a good show, but kind of sloppy." And it's still good, but but that like, I was just like, "Oh, geez, like I always need to get good." Or like uh, Dave wrote uh, for a Montserrat thing in "Open Mind, Saturated Brain." I remember one of the lines was like, "Montserrat isn't like super tight," and I just remember being like,
0: "God dang it!" Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's weird you know there's a there's a there's this like double-edged sword when it comes to like um emotional hardcore music where you like you're supposed to be able to roll around on the floor crying at the same time that you're like nailing every single note I mean it's just like yeah which thing do note, you want yeah. from me you know and uh, yeah. yeah yeah I kind of I'm always, doing my best God dang it yeah exactly <laughs> I kind of always just like I kind of always have been like I I want to be I, I want to like feel really present when I'm playing mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. I should I should worry about that less like when I'm recording. Like I'm sure because mm-hmm. um when you when you're recording, I think the expectation is to like really be on it. Um but even when recording, like I will have a slightly like less than optimal take that I get this sensation and I know that 10 years from now I'll remember what it felt like when I recorded that part. And I'm like, I I could play that better, but I don't want to. I want to remember this. And, And if it might be like imagining a lot that like that comes across in that performance when it's all just digitized and it's just, you know, playing on a computer or whatever. But like, that's just my idea. You know yeah absolutely
1: it, it it's so hard you know like that um like you said like especially recording or like making sure things go down on tape i i try to do my best to like be prepared for the moment you know mm-hmm. and um i i'm always it, it it's it's just tricky to get out of out of my head because I know like oh man there was a mistake there like this wasn't as as good as I could have done it that's mm-hmm. and it's been it's always been present and it it continues to pre, to be present for for me um, ever since you know like ever since starting to play with people in that garage to now yeah it's been just it's so hard to escape that feeling of like, I could do better. Like, I wish I didn't do that during that thing or, you know, like, uh, it's, it's one, it's a goal to be like, you know, perfect, I guess. Um, but it's not my main like drive, I suppose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's also like, it, especially i mean it's different if you go somewhere and someone records you but if you're recording a lot of your stuff yourself there's also like just that the access to like um holding something so precious because you know you can do it better and you know and like yeah absolutely. that comes up a lot for me is is it's just like you know i i really like I'm trying to hold these things so precious that like it's just not getting done. And it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're like, <laughs> totally, you know, yeah. You always want someone, you want people to hear the absolute best version that you can prevent, pre- present. Um, but, um, but you're not presenting it anything by, by holding it, pre- you know, so precious <gasps> and, and just like locking it away for a year and a half while you really finish that riff or whatever, you know, like, yeah,
1: yeah. Jeez. Um, <laughs> well, cut that. Okay. So cut that audio right there. That's the whole podcast. So,
0: <laughs> <done>. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's, obviously the case for like a lot of people and, and that's what, yeah. you know, that's yeah. what things come down to. Um, but, um, no, I mean, getting back to like how, you know, you, you started just like, just going right at it and just winging it. And, um, like, then eventually this, this, this little jam session becomes Matsuri. Um, what, like, when did you, when did you, realize that this was something that you can do, that you can go and play shows that you can like make albums and and how did you like start um down like these paths of like facilitating um, oh, man these things? Uh, I think that was um that
1: journey was really fun. And, and honestly, I think you know, like Chris has a better recollection of like that whole history. It was definitely like, between like Chris and I meeting and Surrey there was a lot of there was actually a lot of time and I think we did like some random things we played in like someone's backyard um we recorded like garage stuff and put it on like you know I think it was like there was like some website like garageband.com or I don't remember you, you get it to like randomly listen to some garage band recording and rate it you know it's like hot or not but for for like a garage <laughs> recording um so like i didn't you know it was like super fun i didn't really think about it too much um and it wasn't until we started um chris and i when we put monster together i was in i was in high school um, and that's when I started thinking, like, this is super fun, and there's like all this other work aside from just playing music that's really interesting to me. You know, whether it's like um, putting a recording together, or um, booking shows, or playing live, um, it is it's like a you. It was like I found this thing, playing music, and then there were like little. Um, aspects aside from just playing the music that I I found and that was really, really interesting um, and in the early days of Surrey was when I really got attached to like playing music in a live setting and being able, able to be in front of people just being really anxious and um, nervous, and then just doing it, and then for that, you know, 15 minutes or whatever, it feels like you've collected all this energy together. Everyone in the room is just put in this energy, and it and it's it feels really amazing. So that was one of the aspects that um, I enjoyed a lot starting Surrey. And then um, the recording thing was always interesting, you know. We st- we um, like recorded in the garage, and then eventually we, um, a lot of us, you know, that was in high school. Fast forward to college years. That's when Monterey kind of like we tried to take it a little bit more seriously. We played a couple shows around in the Bay Area. We played for like you know like those um there's like quote unquote companies that um, like put on a show and they're like, we need you to draw like 50 people or 40 people and you, you know, you can prepay your tickets or whatever. We played for some of those uh, companies. Um, And then we realized like, this is stupid. There's like, there's like a whole underground community that's, willing to put in work and we don't have to just like pay to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was so fun. Um, and then we, I guess we really took it seriously by like moving in together, having a garage and having the ability to like, like, you know, just do it whenever we want to do in a sense. Mm. Um, something that like, I wish I could do that now. Like now, I live in Oakland. I live in an apartment. I go go to a practice space um, that we share with other bands, and you know, I just don't have the same amount of time or energy um, to make it like perfect. But again, like I feel like Chris has sort of like the the better the better um you know date of how this all happened.
0: Yeah.
1: I can tell you like the emotional feeling, yeah, <laughs> I was good yeah. at
0: that. That's, you know, just as important as the details. Are. Projects that you're involved in between Matsuri and Hawak, like, oh, yeah. um, can you fill in some of the?
1: Well, I mean, there's not a ton. Um, like you said, you know, like like you mentioned earlier, a lot of struggle for me as an artist is like putting things out into the world because they're and they're not perfect in my eyes, mm-hmm. and I understand that. Um, some things just are never gonna be perfect. There are always gonna be some some things you can tweak, which is you know, I can I can sit here and think about like, oh, that's why I like live recordings. Sometimes they, they they're not like the recorded like the recorded version. This live version has this weird different take on this part, or the bridge is different, or they extend to this part. Um, and for me Montsery was a beautiful experience where I got to kind of tap into this outlet and be passionate about about my feelings. And I just never really—I I just knew that I had these feelings, and I never really sorted them out. I never put a—I could never put into words what these feelings were, you know. Aside from like, I'm pretty angry. I'm pretty sure that's why I'm yelling, or like. I'm confused, um, Montserrat Let me um, uh, explore just emotions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And after Surrey kind of fell apart, um, I um, I kind of tried my hands at other musical things. I know uh, John and John was. Um, the drummer on endship, so after Surrey kind of fell apart, um, I tried jamming with other people. Um, I jammed with Jonathan, and um, I'd have like I jotted some stuff down here and there, and that feeling of like, oh, I need to make this perfect. I didn't know how to make it perfect. I just knew that um, that feeling that I had in Surrey it's all jumbled up and I I need someone to help me. And, um, I did, you know, I, I record myself. I recorded some jams I had with other people and I didn't really do anything until, um, I forgot what year it was probably like, you know, four, uh, I want to say like five years ago or something like that. Um, I finally, you know, was able to. I I was able to like navigate my feelings a little bit more, um, and figure out why it was so complicated and why it was so, you know, like what what it all kind of meant to me. and we did a band called Renee, um, and Renee was really fun. Uh, we, re- we put out a demo, like a Tucson demo, in 2015. And it, that resulted from some more jamming. Um, me and an ex-partner, Adrian, um, wrote some music together. That was super fun. We went through a drummer that didn't really work out, and then we got in touch with Josh, who um, was the uh, who drums in Hawak, um, and we did some demos, and that's when we released this um, two-song demo um, called Parting Skin, um, and John is on the cover of Renee uh, of the of this demo and that's when I started kind of like yeah that's when I sort of went down the route of like exploring you know my music on a different level I suppose yeah yeah um and then yeah we like we even recorded stuff with um Jack Shirley we recorded like a whole album actually well, we recorded like eight songs, I should say, um, and it just never. I mean, even even that was like, I didn't feel great about some things, um, and then and then that band kind of fell apart, um, due to the other, you know, stuff, um, and then and
0: uh, sorry, yeah. was the next thing Hawak. Yeah, and then and then
1: the next thing was Hawak. But even like between that and between Renee and Hawak was even more just me, you know, making songs. I try to do a bunch of like um solo stuff. Um that's just under my name. I started thinking about electronic music. Um I did a like a split set with novel scura. Where I did like you know two songs and they would do two songs and they kind of played along. Those guys are amazing. They um they came up to Oakland to play a show and I I had organized the show and it was one of these things where like (laughs) every band dropped or something like that. (laughs) So (laughs) um so it was just Nuvolascura and me. And I was super freaking nervous about it, um, and then I just put the, rec- like I put I got the courage to put the recordings of my stuff out, like a couple of days before the show or something like that, and they listened to it and they like, played with me. While we played, it was it was like really fun and um, amazing experience.
0: That's awesome. Was that um the thing that I saw, like, a little bit of, um, just, just like, T-O-M-M? Yeah, T-O-M-M, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. And w- so, so that I was, spell my name with two M's. <laughs> okay, was that just you then, or was, did, was there someone else? Like, I thought I saw a photo where there were, like, two of you. Uh,
1: yeah, so um, for most of that stuff, it was just me. Um, and then um, I... Have a great friend, M. Uh, shout out to M. Uh, they they um, wanted to do something together, and then we kind of threw a song together, um, and we it's called Ruminate, um, and that was super fun too. That uh, trying to do more, uh, it's a it's a definitely a departure from like Screamo in the sense of like it's electronic music, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Um, so, how did Hawak come together then? Um, well, um, during
1: these like drought periods of my time where I'm not playing a lot of music, um, I could tell that like, I I just don't like I struggle with a lot of depression and these feelings that come with not feeling very productive. And so um I had reached out to John cuz some time had passed. Um and I was trying to I was I just wanted to play music. Mm-hmm. And nothing really, you know, nothing really scratched that itch like playing in a band. Playing music by myself is 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 fun and and very challenging in a very different way. In a band setting, you can kind of um, you can certainly like bounce your ideas off of you know your your friends, your your fellow musicians, and and it's more of a conversation. Mm -hmm. that way um so i remember we i think chris and i jammed um john and i jammed and and then i was just thinking like well what if uh josh is a great drummer let's let's jam with josh um and then i wanted i you know asked if john wanted to play bass so uh we jammed and it was definitely really cool uh We recorded that demo in our practice space with the help of our friend Carlos. Um, And um, we played it out a couple times. Um, Went on a a trip to Japan um, with a bunch of friends. Um, I was aiming to play some music. That just didn't uh, happen, unfortunately. Um, But we were out in Japan. And we were traveling with a bunch of friends and Ben was on the trip and we vibed really well. We asked him to play guitar. And so he came, uh, he lives down in San Jose. So just amazing that he will come up to Oakland all the time to like, you know, play music and get emotional and, you know, decipher what the fuck I'm trying to say, um, all the time. Um, and so that's kind of been what's going on with Whole Walk. I mean, the, we we recorded a record mm-hmm. called Nuke, and uh, we're in the process of that. And some things are a changing a little bit um, with the band uh, right now. You
0: know, um, I I know like a little while ago. Um, on, on the social distance fest that you you were like playing uh, part of the album <laughs> and um, uh, I think you're you're probably laughing about accidentally cutting someone off during, during that
1: yes <laughs> yes okay. I accidentally keep creating beef between like me and other bands and I, I apologize um, I'd like to blame it on my um, Scorpio um, self but uh, <laughs> it really just me. <laughs> uh,
0: but, um, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I mean, not, not to like, br- you know, bring up like bad, you know, bad stuff, but, uh, uh, you said that you, you got a record back and it's got like skips in it, so it's gotta be redone. So how, like, um, you know, because especially uh. where we're at right now, then, uh, plants are delaying everything and stuff like that um how long have you been in the process of getting this record um
1: well um so i guess first off just to clear my brain i'm so sorry to indisposed my bad (laughs) um i love you guys and again i'm sorry um and on the for Hawak we recorded it like last year, about this around this time I'm I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started talking to um the pressing plant, Erica Records, in December. Um, and it's been a really long process. Part of looking back now, um, I really wanted um certain aspects of the record uh to be a certain way just because you know i don't know i wanted to uh take control of things and self-sabotage this whole thing uh blah um i wanted certain things from this record one of them being that um it was pressed in in the states Mm -hmm. i wanted a uh, covers to be printed by a cool shop. Um, and so I we got the covers printed by... Uh, I, I opened up a guitar repair shop uh, this year right before Shelter-in-Place. And our next-door neighbors are screen printers. Um, it's Sun Night Editions. They do such awesome work. They do a lot of really like... Limited run silk screen prints for some really cool artists, and so I asked them to do covers. And so I was I was expecting for that to be the big delay, because it's a really small shop printing 300 like um, uh, records jackets, right. um, and it's in two colors. Um, and this whole time I've been talking to the you know pressing plant. The test presses that we got that we played for for, um, um, social distance fest, um, they they sounded great. You know, like I was a little bit nervous at first. The center hole was like a little too tight, and so um, it started skipping. And then I realized, like, oh, I needed to like ream the center hole out, and so um, it sounded fine. I think it it might have skipped. Like once during the Social Distance Fest playthrough. But it sounded fine. And um, we just got the batch of records. Um, and they skip. And I'm really frustrated by this process. But, um, you know, I want these records to play you yeah, know, on
0: yeah. the. No, you know, your you know your expectations of the of the record to play the way it's supposed to play is not that's not a right. you know that should be a given yeah. that it does that right yeah. yeah and uh, and you know like to kind of like on what
1: we were talking about earlier where it's it's really like there's a lot of emotional work that goes into just like make like acknowledging that something isn't perfect and putting it out in the world uh and this was such a big huge disappointment like there was so much work and there's some things like i was willing to excuse um but uh yeah so we're we're i'm i'm still talking to the pressing plant and uh I'm, I'm trying to make things right so that when we put out this record you know it's something that i'm 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 proud of and that we are all proud of
0: yeah absolutely um but um are they are they being cooperative with you
1: um yeah they're they're kind of like so you know just for full transparency what's kind of going on right now is um I called them and I just said like this is a this is a problem and they were you know they were totally nice to me they said you know this is really weird um that's kind of happening in random spots um we'll look into it if I could listen to it and make a note of the like about what times that it's skipping, um, we can have that conversation. And so, I've been going through. Uh, I, I've been pulling. I I just I've opened two boxes of the of the eight boxes of records that we have, pulled out two random boxes, and I pulled four random records from, you know, the top, the middle, and the bottom mm-hmm. from both of these boxes, and I've been listening and. Admittedly, when I first listened, I was just super frustrated, so I would drop the needle around randomly and I would find a skip, so I told them like the it's random skip like it's just randomly skipping. I've checked my turntable i've you know i've I've like looked at all these other variables um, I've had uh, the records and on other turntables and they they seem to skip um but you know. On the on the other side of it, I can understand. Like, there's a bunch of variables, and they want to help me out, and they want to make it right. I'm hoping so. Um, right now, what we're trying to do is, I'm just I went back, listened, um, and I have some complaints. I'm gonna call them later today um, to talk to them about it and see what we can do. If it needs to be repressed, then maybe it needs to be repressed. If I, I have my I wanna keep my options open and of course I'm I wanna be, you know, positive about it because yeah. um yeah I want this to happen.
0: I mean I you know, I, I didn't I didn't bring that up like entirely just like you know like I know it's like a tough thing to talk about because I've been through this like numerous times. Like I've had to yeah. listen to five hundred copies of a record like you know, <laughs> Oh to, my gosh. Like I I literally like one plant was like, well, figure out which ones do it and which ones don't and send the Mm -hmm. ones that do it like back and then we'll send you replacements. And like you, you just don't really, you can't understand until you do it, until you're there when you're like, this is. Everything that led up to this point, and this is the manufacturing point. This is the part that you're supposed to feel the least amount of stress or anxiety over. Yeah, and yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah. And you're 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 so so. I'm like, I have to listen to this 500 times. Like, I'm <laughs> never gonna want to listen to this again. You know? So, right. <laughs> so you're putting the first one down, and you're like, okay. And 20 later, you're like, but it's like you. It never gets like, it never gets normal that you're like sitting there and you're like, this is just like anxiety meter at a 10 already. Cause you're, you know, when you just like know something bad is gonna happen and you're just like waiting for it to happen, like that, it's just the worst. So you're just like, you and your music that you feel really passionate and emotional about is the soundtrack for this now. (laughs) And it's like, yeah. I mean, like I said, you can't know until you're like there where you're just like, Oh my gosh, this is like such as, you know, feels really soul crushing. And, um, yeah, but I'm glad that they're trying to work with you. And, you know, I'm sure in the end, like it will, you know, it will all work itself out. And I mean, just from what, um, just from what I heard on Social Distance Fest, I mean, you know, whatever, you know, whenever this comes out, like, it, it's going to, I think it's going to, like, blow people away. So, um, Thank you. Really, Thank you, uh, Sean. Really looking forward to when that can happen.
1: I, I appreciate uh, the kind words there, Sean. I appreciate you taking the time and, like, hanging out. Yeah, for um, sure. For sure. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so stoked on on the community you know like Screamo the community that we surround ourselves in is A. important and B. incredible because the amount of like just enthusiasm is like beyond me the fact that people are like so stoked and they're they're waiting on um, and of course, you know, like, I don't want to disappoint, um, but it's, you know, like to tie it back, uh, like what we were talking about earlier, it's like, even when I don't play my best, people are always like, you guys, that was so sick. That was a rad set, you know, and, like, you could feel the emotion and I'm like, I, I didn't play my best, but fuck it. Like, this is that, that feeling, um it helps make me feel like uh, I am part of something. and, And that makes me ultimately feel quite good.
0: And that was my conversation with Tom Nguyen. Thanks so much, Tom, for taking the time to chat with me. You know, I felt really bad about bringing up some of the aspects of the process of making a record that I did bring up when I chatted with Tom. I did that because, you know, these things, they happen to the very best of us. And the only thing that I want people to take away from that is, it's not just you. And in the end, these things usually have a way of working out. If you ever have any questions about making records or anything like that, my inbox is always open. Until next time, take care and do good things.